All right, sing this song with me if you know it. Ready? I have decided. Okay, you guys are lame. Let's try that again. Let's do it really loud, big, everything you got. One, two, three. I have decided to follow Jesus. Come on. I have decided. Louder. All right, now stand up. Let's pretend like this is Children's Church. I want you to uh, go ahead. Pretend like uh, I'm a children's pastor. (laughs) And I want you to sing this at the top of your lungs. I want you to shout it out. I want you to act like a five-year-old. If that means that you have to spit on someone or throw a cookie at them, you're five years old right now. I want this at the top of your lungs. Here we go. One, two, three. I have decided. Now, here's really what you do. When, when one more time. One more time. And when we get to no turning back, I want you to lift your fist in the air. And much like John Boland's video last night in Braveheart, I want you to say, no turning back. No turning back. Lift the decibel level in your voice. Let's try it a third time. Here we go. One, two, three. I have decided... Give yourself a big hand and have a seat. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John's gospel. John 6, 66. And this is a Christian verse. John 6, 6, 6. Here it is. From this time, many, say many, of his disciples turned back. Let me read that again. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you, Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, we love you. And God, we have decided to follow you. And God, we have a long journey ahead, and we so much want to be the tribe that never turns back. We so desire to be the people 20 years from now, our followers. Holy Spirit, you have ignited within each one of us a love for you that is real. It's a gift from God that we can never cultivate on our own. We need Christ for it. And we thank you for the the gift of God that it is to love you and to know you. And Jesus, we ask for a divine, supernatural empowerment by God himself to help us sustain fervent desire for Jesus all the days of our lives. Help us to be disciples, God. Amen.
When I was in high school, I had a, a couple buddies, and God had done a miracle in our junior high, and a bunch of guys had gotten saved, and so I had some buddies that were uh, my friends, and we were, we, were, we were on a mission. We were on a mission, and really, it really formed in the ninth grade. In the eighth grade, it was kind of a little kind of, it was just kind of like percolating under the surface, but... But by the ninth grade, it was pretty clear, and by the beginning of ninth grade, on the, beginning, on the first day of ninth grade, we launched a prayer meeting. We were committed. We were going to do a prayer meeting every day till the end of ninth grade, and the way that I grew up was in the junior high was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, and then you went to a different school for high school, 10th, 11th, and 12th, and so it was going to be our freshman year, which meant we were kind of the oldest at the school, and so we were ready to try to lead the school in this, and we were going to go for it. We were going to pray. There was five of us that started, my two triplet sisters, David, Dana, Didi, and then uh, my friend, Sean, and another girl named Casey. There's five of us, and on day one, we started in the wood shop at the junior high. And God began to do some stuff in the ninth grade, and it was awesome. And every day, we had a prayer meeting. By the end of the year, we had over 280 kids coming every single morning to pray at a, at a, public, high, a public junior high. And we saw God start to move, and through that, there was some, some fellas, some guys at the middle that started to you know, organize it and started to say, okay, we need to keep going stronger and receive some, some salvations, but we want to see more than that, and this isn't enough. And you know how it is, spiritual hunger begat spiritual hunger, and then when spiritual hunger exists, then you start to put feet to the prayers, and before too long, there's new ideas percolating, and there's all kinds of stuff happening. And So, so there's a, a group of fellas that became really good buds, and we were on mission. We had a mission to see God, to know God, to see him work in our junior high and then our high school. And it was pretty cool because some of the guys were, were pretty extravagant, you know? Like, I, I was, you know, uh, not necessarily the most um, flamboyant of the tribe, you know? I, I, but I was kind of the, I had grown up as a, as a pastor's kid and I was kind of the, kind of the, well, I was obviously the smallest one, but, but, but the rest of them were bold and some of them were football players and some of them were, uh, were in, in student council, and, and there's a good group of guys, and, and, and we saw God do some fun things, and we were sometimes a little overzealous. One of the fun things that happened in high school, our, our sophomore year was, we decided, you know, I don't, I'm sure this is the South, so maybe you do it. In Oklahoma, one of the things that we did is during homecoming, the sophomores, the juniors, and the seniors would each take a hallway and you had hall deck. Anybody have hall deck? Do you guys have it? No, I don't even know what I'm talking about. All right, so the idea was that there, there would be a theme, and the whole class would decorate a whole hallway, and it was, to, you know, it was to try to build spirit, you know, school spirit. And so, and so the seniors that year had a theme, and I think it was, uh, it was something about space, and it was like our, our school mascot was the Panthers, and so it was Panthers in space. So their theme was like, you know, black with, you know, sky with planets and stars and that kind of decorations. And then, and then the juniors had a theme, and then we, the sophomores, we, we were Hollywood Panthers, and so the theme was Hollywood Panthers, and that meant that every, every like, a group of like 15 people would own you know, the top of the ceiling, the ceiling to the bottom where the carpet was, and you had this certain part of the hallway, you know, goes over the lockers for a day. You had this certain part of the hallway that was your area, and so they divided us up, and our, our group, we got one chunk of wall, and this wall... We were supposed to turn into some movie. And so, you know, there was like, now this was, this was a long time ago. This is the early 90s, so it was a way, ways back when it comes to movies. But there was different movies, you know, like, like Driving Miss Panther. And um, then there was, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, Indiana Panther. And then there would be, um, you know, Back to the Panther Future, stuff like that, all right? So 
It was all built. You get the idea. And so we were like, you know, we had some guys that were kind of like, they were kind of creative. And so ours looked like this. And I kid you not, as scary as this sounds, it was this huge gargantuan picture of Jesus dying on the cross with a little tiny school in the bottom. And it said, Jesus of Pantherith. And, and, and it was this, it was this, then it was this little salvation at the bottom. And, and we saw God do these things as there was prayer meetings every day. There was Bible studies on Fridays that grew huge and our Wednesday stuff grew. And I remember one of my buddies, he, he decided that he had a creative way to reach people for Jesus. And so what he decided to do is he, he was going to run for class president. And let me tell you, he wasn't class president material. He decided to run for class president. I think his grade point average was like, you know, low. And uh, he got up there and whole sea of our class, you know, there's about 600 kids in our class. And he got up there and he, secular school, and he said, well, if you run for any of the other offices, you only get three minutes. But the president, if you're running for president, you get five minutes. So I decided to run for president so I could get five minutes. But you can vote for me or not. I don't really care. But let me tell you. He pulls out his Bible. He says, let me tell you about who's changed my life. And he begins to talk for the next five minutes about Jesus. The whole place just begins to, uh. Teachers are nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous. One of my friends, he was a football player, and ninth grade football was a big deal, you know? Ninth grade, there was kind of a moment where there, there, there came a, a fight. One, he got punched in the face. And uh, honestly trying to be a Christ follower, as cute or dumb as this came across, he looked at the guy. He said, here, hit me on this side. Ninth grade football. We go, oh, that's kind of silly, kind of. But I just want you to see the level of intentionality of ninth grade kid wanting to be a follower of Christ. One of the fun things that I loved is one of my buds was doing the inspiration before the football game, and you know how it is in the South. Football is a big deal, and right before the uh, football game, there would be an inspiration. And he would pray over the microphone, long prayers for revival at football games. One night where he started reading Leonard Ravenhill over the PA system. I'll never forget the time he read K.P. Yohanan, who is a famous missiologist. And this is what it said. Oh, God, forgive us for sitting in our padded pews while the world goes to hell. And then he began to pray. And Jesus, forgive us for, I kid you not, for being more enthralled with football than we are you, God, and forgive all of those tonight who have made football their Lord. I can't, it was scary. No, it was, I mean, it was weird. You can clap. I mean, some of you think it's great. I don't, I don't know if it was culturally correct, and that's not what I'm talking about tonight. I'm just telling you, it was devoted. It was intentional. It was guys that loved God. It was guys that were after Jesus. One of the guys got saved. He had been a massive partier. And I mean, he, was a, he had been a huge partier. He had been uh, dating lots of different girls and he was really ungodly. Then he got saved and he really started reading his Bible. Got into his Bible and he decided that, you know, when you're saved, you just go from dating non-Christian girls to Christian girls. 
So I'll never forget the day that he, we're sitting in fifth hour, and he goes, dude, I just totally gave, he said her name, a note. I said, really? He said, yeah. He goes, dude, it's total Bible. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. Like, you, you wrote a, the Bible in a, like a note, like a check yes or no note? <laughs> yeah. And uh, he goes, uh, let me read it to you. Comes out of Song of Solomon 4. <laughs> True story, I'm not making this up. <laughs> How beautiful you are, my darling, verse, chapter 4, verse 1. This is rated PG 13 at least. Oh, how beautiful your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Each has its twin, not one of them is alone. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built with elegance. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. You, let's skip that verse. I'm not lying, he wrote the verse. (laughs) He didn't get a note back, but (laughs) can't help the guy. And I love my buds, man. I could, I could tell you, I could, I could right here, I could tell you their names. I could tell you what they were passionate about. I could tell you what their ambitions were. I could tell you most, I could tell you a lot of things about it. I could tell you their sisters' names and their brothers' names and many of them their parents' names. I could tell you what part of town they lived in. I could tell you where we had prayer meetings at their house. I could tell you what instruments that they played. I knew them, just like you have some friends right now that are your buds, they're your tribe. I mean, it was not just, hey, we're friends. We were friends on mission. They were my buds. Boys, my friends, high school days, man. High school days on mission was really fun. High school, wait a purpose. There's been a new addition to my life here in the last couple years. And uh, for the most part, it's been really, really cool. It's, you guys know it, social networking. All of a sudden, you have access to everybody. And for you guys, it's just always been a part of your life. But for old people, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> All of a sudden, we uh, can find everybody we've ever known. <laughs> so over the course of the last couple of years, I've had my buds contact me on Facebook or whatever. And, and for the most part, it's been really exciting. I mean, some of them, I look at them, and one of them's planted a church in Dallas, and I'm so proud of that. One of them's a missionary, and I, that's so cool. I love that. Another guy, he's a youth pastor. I could have always guessed he would have been that. There's other ones that are successful in business. Some of them are still close to where we went to high school and they're working jobs and they're, they're just doing fine. But many have turned back. Not just some, many. Some are so, are so entrenched in the world that simply by looking at their page, you can see where their affections lie. Some of them, some of them are just living straight, lethargic lives. Some of them don't really want to talk about God. Some of them don't really care. 
Some of them are so entrenched in sin, it would, be, it, would be, it would not be good for me to talk about it from a pulpit. And when Aaron Stern is sitting here this afternoon and he's saying, hey, let me give you the statistic. And he says, two or three in ten of kids that are attending church won't be a decade from now, five years from now. That to me is not like, hey, that's a statistic. That's nice, Aaron. When he says that, there's this thing that goes off in my heart where I'm not seeing a statistic. I'm seeing the faces of the friends that I've loved. And I could rattle off the guys that there was a day where we did prayer meetings late into the night. Where evangelism and, and, and enthusiasm to go feed the poor downtown was often on their tongue. Where there was a devotion to Jesus. There was talk. There was, there was momentum. There was uniting around a mission. And a decade goes by. So many. I'm not saying some. Many. Have turned back. When I read. The story. Jesus. Many turned back. Oh how I would love it. If in this house tonight. We said yeah we're going to all go. Complete our extreme dream. How I would love it. If all of us. Saw each other in heaven and said, from this day forward, Jesus is all. And we lived it. We sought him from the days of our youth. And we finished old and gray as David was. And we followed him all the days. How awesome would that be? But I want to be real with you tonight. Because if you would have told me back in those days that we would be where we are today, that, that literally those boys that were my closest friends today would be so far from loving Jesus, I wouldn't even believe you. I, I really wouldn't. I would, have, I would call you crazy. There's a somber reality that I'm facing, and it's that this, many turn back. Many. And if there were a secret that we, as desperation, as bands or speakers or youth pastors, if there were a secret to try to help you, I don't know that secret's the right word, but if there were a, a nugget, if there was a little piece of truth, if there was a, an idea, if there was a principle, if there was a concept, if there was a reality to which we could almost guarantee that a decade from now you'd be a follower of Jesus, I think I know it. I don't know that I know all things, and I don't know that, 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 that this is the only secret, but I think I know a significant one. I think I know the one that if there is inside of you this desire that says, no turning back, no turning back, if that is in you today, 
I tell you, in your own human zeal, the probability of you sustaining that on your own, just out of human zeal, it's pretty dismal. I doubt it. I mean, maybe some. But I think I know the secret. I think I know. I think it's possible. I know it's possible. I know it's possible that a decade from now, you wouldn't be backslidden. A decade from now, you wouldn't have a lethargic heart. A decade from now, you really would be, I want to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. He is king and he is Lord and he is awesome. And I don't know how to interpret the circumstance around me. But I do know one thing and that is that Jesus is all. I think that there is a way. I think I know the secret. And I think it's just one point. I think it's one idea. And when you look at the Christian journey, sometimes you look at all of these sermons this weekend or all of the books in the Christian bookstore, all of the songs on iTunes or everything that you find on Amazon and you go, there's so much. No, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you, there's simple. It really is simple. It's a confession that Paul made. And when Paul makes this statement, you got to understand, Paul has already met Jesus. When he makes this statement that I'm about to read, it's not a statement where he's unsaved, hoping to meet Jesus. He makes this statement, actually, after he's already written the Corinthians. He's already written Romans. He makes this statement after he's already had an experience where he's on a Damascus road on his way to go persecute Christians and Jesus appears to him brighter than the sun. Acts 26 says brighter than the sun. And Jesus appears to him face to face. It's already after. He's already gone and started the church in Philippi. He's a church planner. He's already had a moment where he saw Jesus. He's already written part of the Bible. We're talking about a guy who already has some encounters in God. It's not bad. Church planner, Bible writer. Moment where you behold Jesus. He's not like a new Christian here. This moment isn't like a, oh yeah, I'm just kind of in the early phases. Philippians 3 verse 8. Starting verse 7. But whatever was to my prophet... I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I imagine in this moment, I love this verse 10. Here he is. He's in a Roman prison. (laughs) I doubt it's his extreme dream at that moment. You know what I'm saying? I doubt things turned out like he thought. I doubt this was feeling good as he sat in a Roman prison, already persecuted, says this, I want to know 
Christ. I. Oh, Paul, let me tell you about Jesus. His name is Jesus, and he died for... No, 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 no. Thank you. I've already seen him, written the, the, much of the Bible, planted churches. It's not bad writing. I think they're going to record some of it and lock it in the canon for me. It's not, no, it's not about like, I want introductory, let me introduce me to Jesus. That's not it. It's in the present tense right now. Yes. I see him almost like a bulldog lowering his nose and kind of gritting his teeth. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. The secret to being a radical 10 years from now, 20 years from now, next summer, 2009, 2012, when you're in college, in your 30s is that ache that decision I want to know Christ because let me tell you something there's a whole lot of people around you that can give you little tiny crumbs from the table I mean you can hear podcasts and you can listen to, you can listen to sermons and you can read Christian books and you can sing great Christian music and you can be in a Christian subculture that feels like you're going after God and slowly deteriorating is your heart and you have this perception I'm following God but realistically that everything, when it gets tested, when the rubber meets the road, the question is not, were you in a cool culture? The question was not, did you wear the t-shirt? The question was not, can you quote some Bible verses? Let me tell you, the guys that I love with all of my heart, some of them memorized books of the Bible. I mean, they knew their stuff. Some of them were preachers when they were 14. Some of them were leading worship meetings through the night. We're not talking about guys that weren't saying, hey, let's charge the hill. We're talking about guys that in their teenage years said yes to God. But the only way, the only way to sustain good days and bad days is if this desire is within you that goes, I want to know Christ. I must know him. No, I'm really glad that you know him, youth pastor. And it's really good that my friends know him. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm not getting an arrogant spirit. But I'll tell you, guys, I must know him. It's not enough that you do. It's not enough that someone wrote a book. It's not enough that, you know, that we, we go to a cool church or that we drove a long way to desperation because we feel like we really... No, I, me, as an individual, I have decided to follow him. I don't want to turn back. Many have left, even Jesus, the temptation to quit, the temptation to slow down, the temptation to become lethargic we're so inundated with it every day and there has to be a growing conviction that resonates within your heart that says not me how will you get there by your own human zeal your own human zeal I know right now it seems like you're strong but when you stand before God it's not like hey what's up Jesus you know I was a first round draft pick that had more commitment than the rest No, 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 no. It's only because of God's kindness to you in relationship that one day you'll go because of who you are, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, because of your strength. It took God to love God, but you helped me. You helped me every step of the way. And God, you enabled me and you empowered me. And I had this thing that I wanted to know you. And it grew because of you. 
Some of you go, I don't, I, I don't know what to do then because that, I, 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 I want to want to know Christ. But I, I don't know that I can honestly say tonight, I want to know Christ. I, I, I wish, I wish, I want, I wish I were there. Let me tell you something. That desire to desire, that want to want, that ache, that little yearning, because I want that. That's God's gift to you, and that is evidence of a miracle in your heart. That's the beginning of spiritual success. Because you're depraved, you're messed up. I mean, you got the devil out to take you out, and it's the gift of God to you that there's any even desire to desire. There's a whole lot of days where there's not any desire there, and I understand that. But if you have that little ache that goes, I have a conviction that I do desire to desire. I want to be there. I may not emotionally feel want, but I have a conviction that I I know that it's right, and I know it was in Paul, and I know it's in the redeemed, and I desire to desire. I want to be in that place. That is God's gift. To you and that is god saying come on keep coming you're growing in spiritual maturity you're like a toddler right now just barely walking and you can barely take a step oh oh oh, oh. you just fell down that's all right keep coming but if you'll just see it like that you know how the devil wants you to see it the enemy comes to you and says you're a hypocrite sucker you can't make it you're pathetic And he says, you're a hypocrite, give up. I have three little kids. My oldest is Dawson, he's four. Olivia, she's two. And I have a little girl named Adeline, she's 10 months. Right now, Adeline is trying to take steps. I know it's crazy, she's already crawling. and She's trying to take steps. Unfortunately, she uh, has some things like her father where she's a little chubby and got a big head. And so... Right now, she's in this place where she's just taking little steps. A couple days before I came here, she was trying to take some steps, and she fell down. You know, just that little, cute little boop. And I looked at her, and I said, you pathetic kid. I said, Renata? I don't know if I like this one. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> no, you know what I did. I got down, I looked at her, I picked her back up. Good job, Ads! Good job, Ads! You're cute. You're fat like your dad. You're blonde hair and I love you. And I looked at her and when she fell down, I didn't define it as a pathetic, untalented, walking challenge child. <laughs> I looked at her and I, I kissed her on the forehead. I, I couldn't love her anymore. I don't even see the fall. I just, took the, I just see the two steps she took forward. We just celebrate the two steps. Renata! That's my wife. Did you see that? She took a step! <laughs> Family dance! Woo! <laughs> Good day! 
Justin, guess what? Your sister took a step. Livy, she took a step. And the whole Perkins family. <laughs> Renata called me yesterday. She said, guess what? I said, what? She goes, Olivia just pooped in the toilet for the first time. <laughs> said, really? Did she wipe? No, she didn't wipe. I said, oh, that pathetic kid. <laughs> now, it's a big day at the Perkins family house. You know why? Because Olivia pooped in the toilet for the first time yesterday. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You're on, a, you're on a spiritual maturity growth track. And the Father looks down at you. And you take a step forward. You don't have a condemning, ticked off God that looks at you and goes, why couldn't you do more? The very nature that you're spending a Saturday night in August in Birmingham, Alabama at a youth conference where little guys scream at you is a statement of spiritual hunger. The very fact that you're here is a statement to God that says, I am, so, I am so hungry for God. The very fact that you're here is a statement that says, I want to want. The very fact that you're, you, the very fact that you're here says, I'm, 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 I'm the, taking the right road. I know, I know where I want to go. You're, you're already taking steps forward. Let me tell you that little ache. I want to know Christ. I can promise you. I can promise you. Paul wasn't sitting there. And every moment was this spiritual hiatus, you know, like this grandiose moment of, you know, angelic hunger. When they're beating him for the gospel. I could, I, he didn't live his whole life going, oh, I'm, I'm overflowing with spiritual desire. No, he had good days and bad days. Just like you do. But he had a conviction resonated come good days or bad days i want to know jesus i want to know christ imagine his journey you think your journey's hard he's going out trying to kill christians on the road to damascus jesus appears to him he looks up jesus brighter than the sun saul saul why do you persecute me saul falls off his donkey onto his backside Stares at heaven, who are you? I am Jesus, the one that you persecute. All right, what do you want me to do? Jesus appears to Saul. He turned, changes his name to Paul. Good day. He was on his way to hell. He was out torturing Christians. He was really headed to a bad place. Jesus decides to sovereignly appear to Saul. Good day. He's going spiritual growth track, doing well. Good day. Then all of a sudden, Jesus goes away, and boom, he's blind. Bad day. Dang it. What did he say? I got to go where? I got to go see Ananias? Who's Ananias? Okay, take me. I'm blind. Find Ananias. Ananias. Hey, I know I used to kill people like you, but um, pray for me blind if i was ananias i'd be like dude three days ago you were trying to kill me in my tribe you deserve it man 
my God is just, you know? I'd be like, God answers prayer. There it is, you know? I'd be like, dude. But Ananias, he's godlier than most of us. Praise for him. Fish scales fall from his eyes. That's gross. <laughs> Fish scales fall from his eyes. All of a sudden, he can see. That's a good day. He's like, all right, what's my new mission? I'm supposed to go preach the gospel, all right? He starts preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, the Gentile world. People are receiving him. He's like, good day. He's preaching. It's going well. Then they throw him in prison. Bad day. Goes into prison. Paul and Silas. Well, Silas, guess this is where it ends. Guess we're going to, you know, just end up in prison. What do you want to do? I don't know. It's my bedtime, Paul. It's midnight. Dude, let's sing. What? Let's sing. You want to sing? Yeah, yeah, let's just sing some hymns to God. All right. I don't know what they sang, you know. You know, I was saying I am free or something like that, but... Faith statement. <laughs> I am free. <laughs> Saul goes, begin to sing. All of a sudden, earthquake. <laughs> Boom. Ali, Ali, all set free. <laughs> Jesus sets him free. Good day. Here. Let me pray over this leper. You're healed. Awesome. Let me go into Lystra and preach the gospel. People getting saved. Whoa, 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 whoa. They drag him out of the city of Lystra. They stone him and leave him for death, thinking that he's dead. You're laying there. That's a bad day. It's a hard day. You know what Paul does? Gets right back up. Stoned, left for dead. Rocks thrown at him. Put an eyeball back in, <laughs> bleeding, walks right back into the city, keeps preaching the gospel. More people get saved. Good day. Gonna go preach the gospel. Shipwrecked. Dang it. Bad day. Beaten. Oh, bad day. Spent the night in the open sea. Ugh. I hated that night. Plants churches, writes the scriptures. It's writing letters. You see, Saul's journey that became Paul, good day, bad day, good day, bad day. Three steps forward, dang it, got beaten, bad step, two steps back. Three steps forward, one step back. A couple steps forward, ugh, another bad day. Three steps, it was up and down and up and down. You look at anybody that followed Jesus, Every single one of them had that. Peter had moments where, dude, he was walking on water, and other moments where he was looking at servant girls saying, I tell you, I don't know him. <laughs> moments later, he's eating with Jesus, and Jesus is talking to him. A few days later, he's preaching Acts 2, Pentecost, greatest sermon ever preached. 
3,000 people get saved. It's good days and bad days. And I want you to understand as we get this resonating in our heart, you're gonna, it's not, I'm not talking about I want to know Christ and I'm going to have this ethereal, beautiful, wonderful feeling all the time. I'm talking about it's the gift of God to want that. It's God's grace for you and that you resolve in your heart a resolution. This is going to drop in my spirit. It's going to live in my heart from this day forward and I'm going to have some good days and some bad days. But I want to know Christ. I must know him. And I, don't, I love that he, that he wants to know him and I like that she wants to know him. I'm glad that my brother wants to know him and I'm glad that, that my pastor wants to know him and I think it's good. that. Oh, but that's not enough for me. One day I'm gonna face the one who redeemed me forever and ever. I'm gonna face the one who saved me from sin and Satan. I'm gonna face him. And I'll tell you, there's this thing that's growing in my heart. I want to know Christ. I want it to grow. And when you get out there and you face day after day, you got good days and you got bad days. And I'll tell you, you know, you want to know what one of the largest, I mean, most difficult stumbling blocks to that resolution living in your heart is? One of the biggest is this. The memory of the successes of yesteryear. Oh, yeah, I remember the day that I went to prayer meetings. Oh, yeah, I remember the day I went through the one-year Bible. Oh, yeah, I remember the day where my heart was stopped. Oh, yeah. You know, there was these stories of that, da, da, da. And so what happens is that over the years, you, you remember those days. And in your head, you define yourself as knowing Christ. In your head, you define yourself as in the present tense walking with him. When in reality, your heart's been dormant for months. In reality... You haven't embraced the necessary discipline to get alone with him and to know him and pray and to seek him. One of my greatest temptations is to live on yesterday's memories. There's some good days. There's some good days in high school. Some better days in college. Some really broken days. My first years at my church where I work. Some days of prayer, crying out to God. Now I'm old and almost dead. Having a midlife crisis. And you know what my temptation is? People come to the conference. Got a little internship going. My temptation is, ah, yeah, I'm radical, yeah. Five years ago, I had a desperate heart. Even started a little conference called it. Desperation. Yeah, and, and the thought defining my present tense reality by yesteryear, by the glories of the old days, and to live with a dormant heart today. It's so easy. It's so easy. You know what my other temptation is? My other temptation is, is the same, it causes the same thing. And it's to go, the shame of the past keeps me from pressing in today. Oh, I've tried that. It's just not me. It's not my personality. It's not my personality to pray. Oh, I'm too busy. I, I am carrying a full load in high school. 
Do you have any idea? I'm the vice president of German club. I'm on the sushi committee. I'm in pep club. I, I play on the volleyball team. I'm the vice president of Spanish. And I, 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 I'm so busy. I run the youth group for my youth pastor because he's never there. I am the guy. I, I, and, and the temptation is whatever it is. I'm so busy. To come up with five, ten reasons why. You know what? I've tried that. It's just not for me. And the, tempta- and the temptation comes from the enemy. Yesterday's successes, and so you live with false spiritual pride. Hey, how you doing? I led a prayer meeting in the eighth grade. <laughs> bop, bop. You know? <laughs> or you live with, dude, I tried this thing so hard when I was a 10th grader. I just, I just don't, I think it's for Susie and Johnny and those guys, but not me. I don't know. I, can, I don't do that stuff that well. Both produce a dormant heart. Both are attacks of the enemy. Both keep you from the resonant inside of you. I want to know Christ. Today. Today. You get this. You can press every day. And here's what I love about this whole idea. The thing about, that I love about this is this is what matters in eternity. When you stand before Jesus, this is what matters. And here's the great thing about knowing Christ. This hunger, this desire to want to know Christ. It's not about the physical talents, the physical appearance. None of those things matter. You know what matters? It's just you. I mean, so you decide. I mean, so you go, all right. I, 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 I want to spend some time here talking about uh, what John and I talked, what John talked about last night, what I'm talking about tonight. How these go hand in hand in the temptation that you're going to get into. Because we've been there. We've done this thing back and forth. All right? Here's the temptation. The temptation is, well, I've got this much gifting. I'm this smart. I'm called to this for the sake of the kingdom. And so you go, I'm going to go for it. And then you get out there. Last night, you go, I'm going to be an actor for Jesus. Get to actor school. And you're lame. <laughs> and you thought you were good. And this happens all the time. Or you go, I'm going to be a preacher. And you get to Bible school. And you're lame. Or you go, I'm going to go be a cook for God. And you can't cook. Whatever the thing is. I'm, an, I, I'm, I'm so artistic. I'm going to make clothes for Jesus. And then you get out there and people are like, these clothes are lame. People face this stuff. Oh, I'm not trying to be, this, this is not funny. This is just true. <laughs> I mean, it is sad, funny. All right. And, and then you get out there and here's, here's what you face. You go, but God, I was going to do this for you. I was going to make designer jeans for Jesus. And this jean thing isn't working. You go, I was going to, I was going to lead a gargantuan fasting movement, but I, I gained 150 pounds because I eat so much. And I, I just, I think the fasting thing doesn't work for me. I mean, you, you, you just, inevitably you go, I had this thing. I fell short. Here's the thing. You know, each one of us, we have an extreme dream. I'm going to call that an external calling. And, and, and it's not like, in an instant, it unravels. As you walk through this, the way that you know your external calling is because you're really rooted in your internal calling. 
You have an internal calling that goes, you know, I, I planned on being a race car driver, and now here I am leading a student movement. Okay? If you'd have told David Perkins that when I was in the ninth grade, 13, you know, 16 years later, I'd be the same height, I'd be like, no way. Things are not going to turn out for God likes me more than that. I'm just telling you, you're going to face some things where you go, this isn't what I thought. Last night I said I was going to be a businessman for Jesus and you're going to be 29 years old and broke and be like, God, I'm just telling you, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days and your external calling is going to be out there. What God's called you to do. And it will be easy to forsake it if you don't know, here's my internal calling and nobody, here's my favorite part about the internal calling. Nobody can stop me. Nobody. I mean, if you feel like you have an external calling and you're called, I knew. My brother and I, we knew that we were called. We had an external calling, an extreme dream. We were going to be Shaq and Kobe in the NBA. That was our calling. We practiced every day. I'm not lying. We wa- did. Am I lying? Did we want to be in the NBA? Come here. Show them how tall you are. Come here. This is... Look at this. We face a milestone. <laughs> Thank you. All right. When it hit us, I remember, I remember the day in college when it hit me, this is not going to work. For Dan, it was much later. It was just like a few days ago. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to run into obstacles where you're going to be like, this isn't turning out. I, I work with, uh, at, at my church, I, I, I end up working with a lot of adults. And you, do you know how many of them are nowhere near where they thought they would be when they were 20? You know how many of them are disillusioned and disappointed with God because they had a thought of themselves leaping upon hills and... No, that's Song Solomon. They... Uh, <laughs> They had a thought of themselves, sorry, songs on four, that old note just keeps coming back. It's like, anyway, (laughs) the verse I skipped, don't read it. Um, (laughs) Do you know how many of them, how many of them that I've hung out with, when you get down and you uncover where they're really at and they're living for the weekend I mean, it's just nine to five, hearts dormant, fasting was for a decade ago, spending time with Jesus, the Bible's for hearing a preacher on Sunday, I got my one minute Devo so I can treat God like I treat my homework, check that off, oh yeah, that sounds like I want to know Christ. No, 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 no. You know, you know how many are disillusioned and sad because they had most of their dream tied up in something they perceived they would be? I can guarantee you, if you talk to John the Baptist and you go, dude, you are the friend of the bridegroom. Dude, you're the greatest man ever born of a woman. 
that's according to Jesus, Matthew 11. Jesus, John 5, 35. Hey, you're a burning and shining lamp. Hey, I mean, literally, we're talking about the cousin of Jesus. We're talking about the one that baptizes Jesus. We're, I can guarantee you we're talking about the guy who thinks he's going to be the dude with Jesus. I mean, escorting in the kingdom. He's the great preacher. Everybody's coming out to the Jordan River to hang out with him. And you go, Johnny, guess where you end up? Ooh. Beheaded as a party joke by Herod? He'd go, What? I can guarantee you if you talk to Paul. Paul, guess what? I know Jesus just appeared to you and you think that you're God's gift to the Gentiles, but let me tell you something. You're going to be shipwrecked, you're going to be beaten with rods over and over again. You're going to be Stoned and drug, you're going to be, he'd be like, I just don't know if that's part of my calling, dude. <laughs> I love the fact that God has a seed within every single one of us and that you have a gifting and that he wants to use you. But I can tell you this, you're going to go through some good days and some bad days. You're going to face some days where you're going to, I never thought I would be here. I never thought it would look like, and, and if your primary life of your heart is that, you'll end up disappointed with God, slightly irritated, in disillusionment, you'll take three steps back and say, I'm just going to hang out right here. I still love God. I still believe in God. I still want to go to heaven. But in the meantime, let me start a party lifestyle, live for myself, hang out for myself, live for the weekend, and not press for the fullness. But if this lives in your heart, Jesus, I want to know Christ, and no one can stop me. And if I get to business school and there's other businessmen that were so smarter than me, well, the primary preoccupation of my spirit is I want to know Jesus. And if I get to the top of the org chart or if I stay at mid-level management the rest of my life, the way I define success is based upon how you define it, and that is this. I am a friend of God. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. No one can stop you. And when it comes to knowing Jesus, I got good news for you. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be really smart. You don't have to dress well. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to have good teeth. You, you just, you, you, I mean, you can just be you. You don't have to have everybody look at you and be like, Dude, like, you just got natural music ability. <laughs> Friends, I, many of us, many of us are not going to have, like, the whole world going. <laughs> and if you go, I define my success, and I'm going to even pursue my external calling, hoping that one day through Jesus, I'm going to get that, you will end up disillusioned and frustrated because Jesus is your means to your end and ultimately you're the end. But Jesus is not a means to an end. He is the end. 
He is all. He is everything. And he is the end. It, it, it all ends with him. It's all him. It's just, so if he's the means to your end, it's really all about you, you're going to end up a little frustrated because I can guarantee you it's not going to go like you thought it would. So where we want to go is, Jesus, I want to know you. Two years go by. You got some good days and some bad days, and you took some ground. Worked on your external calling further than you thought you might be. Some days you're not near where you thought you would be. And some of you will be like, I just shot out of the rock, and I just, I just started, you know, singing, and I was Jared, you know. I didn't know. Some of you will go to college, and you'll be like, I, I had no idea. I just started, like, you know taking classes and I don't even have to go when I make A's. I'm just brilliant. (laughs) Some of you will get there, try out for the football team and you'll get cut. Some of you will try for the football team and you'll become the star. But the point is this, whether it's a good day or a bad day, good day, you go, I'm not mostly defined. I'm not mostly defined by how much I do or where I end up. I'm mostly defined by this. I want to know Christ. I must know him. I must know him. And it grows in your heart, grows in your spirit, comes alive inside of you. And if that's inside of you, you can go through some good days. You can go through some bad days. You can end up a lot shorter than you thought. You can end up addicted to coffee. You can end up really in a messed up place and go, I have a heart alive. I've got a heart alive. The last thing is this. Paul says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. The last thing is this. I just want to encourage you, above all else, above everything, though it costs you everything, I want to know Jesus. And it will cost you, and that's your joy. Oh, the fact that it costs you something? You know, when you, when you talk to missionaries who have gone and lived for a decade or for years overseas. And they come back and they do these, these times where they go and they talk in churches and people will come up to them and they'll be like, thank you, thank you, thank you for going to Africa or thank you for going to China or thank you, you're so great. Can we put your name on a plaque? Can we give you an award? Can we like, you know, you know make you a stained glass window? You know, can we award you in some way? And you know what happens over and over again in the heart of the missionary who has spent years and years seeking God in order to reach an unreached people group? They don't look at that award and go, oh, yes, thank you. Somebody recognize me. No, the very nature of the award causes them to kind of be repulsive. No, 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 no. My reward is, is Christ. I don't even want this. I don't, I kind of, I, it kind of bugs me that I just, I, I know I thank you for appreciating me, but let me tell you something. I'm not in this. I, I, Jesus is my means to recognition. No, 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 no. Jesus is my end. Jesus is everything to me. I just did this because I love him. And, and that's cool if you want to do that, but just kind of just, just don't even tell me about it because I'm not doing this because I want a reward from you. I'm doing this because he is everything to me and I love him and I, I just want to know Christ. Here's what happens when you start to spend time with him. It just starts to grow a little bit. I just, I, I, 
I don't want to do this. It's like, hey, you ought to do this. You ought to spend time with Jesus. I just want to come to you as a satisfied customer. It's awesome. Psalm 34, David says, taste and see that he's good. Just taste. Just go for it. Oh, I know. I know there's days where you taste and you don't see. I know there's days where it feels like the heavens are brass. I know those days. Bernard of Clairvaux said, we taste thee, O living bread, and long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee, the fountain, and thirst our souls from thee to fill. The more you know Christ, the more you know of the knowledge of God, the more that you spend time, that ache starts to grow. And, and you start to go through your day. You start to want, to want. The want to want actually grows a little bit in the day to actually just authentically. The day that God's gift to you is that, that, that desire. See, right now, there's some of you, you're sitting there, and there's this little ache that's, that's starting, this little yearning, this little bit like, God is knowable. Yeah, he's knowable. Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would know him. I don't think Jesus prays for a prayer that's impossible. In fact, I think Jesus' prayers are answered. <laughs> I mean, just think about that. Jesus' prayer, God prays to God, it gets answered. Put that in your pipe and smoke that. I'm serious. Think about that. <laughs> God prays to God. Think about that. God prays. It's going to get answered. There's going to be people that know him. Why not you? Why not me? Psalm 90 says we have 70 or 80 years on planet Earth. It's Psalm of Moses. Why not us? Why won't we know him? Why not you? I want to encourage you. As you press, press to know him. I must know him. You'll get up. Psalm 5.3, in the morning, O oh Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Okay, Lord, I want to know you today. In the night, Psalm 4.4, meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. There's a, there's a hunger, God, I want to know you. Just that ache, that ache will mess with you. That ache caused you to turn Jimmy Kimmel off and David Letterman and put the Facebook away because you just, I just, there's this ache. I want to know him. I'm going to end with this story. Story of... Hernando Cortez, he's the Spanish conquistador who arrived in Mexico. He was a great explorer. When he arrived from Spain, he took the ship that was sitting there. They arrived to Mexico where there was no civilization like they had known in Spain. It was difficult, it was hard, they didn't have food, didn't have shelter. And the temptation, whenever you're in a scenario like that, is to go back to what's comfortable. So for them, undoubtedly, the temptation is to get back on the boat and go back to Spain, go back to what they used to know, go back to that lifestyle. And Cortez said, We're, we've arrived. We're not going back. And so he tells us, guys, burn the ships. There's no going back. We're staying. No matter what happens, 
we are going to burn the escape route that will lead us back to comfort. This is the right spot. This is what we've spent our lives preparing to do. And though the physical pain of it is hard, this is what's right, and we're going to endure it. And I would tell you, you know what? When you make this decision, I'm gonna, I want to know Christ. I want to spend time with God. And I know there's lots of ways. And I'm not just talking about spend time with God. I'm talking about prayer, fast, just seeking Jesus, getting in a spiritual discipline where you go, I, this lives in me. What that does is it causes you, and you're going to have to start burning some ships. You just do. You, you only have 168 hours in a week. You only have 24 hours in a day. And, 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 and you'll just start to have to just get rid of some stuff. Some of you, it'll be some hobbies that, that aren't bad hobbies. It's just, there's something bigger in your heart. And it's gonna mess, that's gonna mess with your friends. It's gonna mess with some of your families. You know, some people are just not gonna be comfortable because they're gonna call you a zealot. They're gonna say you're extreme. You have an extreme God. I have an extreme heart. I have an extreme dream. <laughs> Take, call it what you want. This is Christianity 101. I'm going to follow with all. It means we're going to have to burn some ships. I, I know a kid, he's in, uh, in high school, and, and he's a good athlete, a good football player. Varsity football. Oh, no. Don't touch that. I'm going to, yeah. Quit the football team. Or get alone at coffee shops, pray, start a prayer movement, lead. Takes time. People all around him, dude, bro, you're so good, man. You only got like two years. He goes, no, 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 no. I only got two years left before I leave these friends that I won't see for years. And I'm in the most strategic place I could be to reach them. My youth pastor can't come to this high school and reach them. My senior pastor can't come. My parents can't come. Right now, I get to be the orator of the gospel and the administration can't shut me down. No, no, no. I don't have two years to play Farsi football. I have two years to reach a generation. I have two years to reach the few people in my school. Some of you are going to have to burn some of the ships. And so it's, it's, it, it, at first, it seems painful. But a ways into it, you go, this is why I was. You were not made for hobbies. You were made to know God. You were created in the image of God. It's the reason why we exist. You don't work right without knowing God. You don't work right. I mean, the human spirit was made to know the creator. You were made to know the one with Revelation 3 says you're going to sit with him on his throne forever and ever. You were made to know him. He is knowable. You were made to know him. You want to live a thrilling life? You want to, 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 to live a life that matters? Oh, I'll tell you this. Get this firm in your spirit. I want to know Christ. That's what's alive inside of me. That's what drives me. That's who I am. And I promise you this, that lives in your spirit. I want to know Christ. I'm going to have good days and I'm going to have bad days. I'm going to have days where I never thought that would happen to me. 
I never thought that tragedy would happen to me. I never thought I, w- I would be this unsuccessful. I never thought that I would be this successful and now everybody wants to know me. I never, I, whatever you want to say, if it lives inside you, it's all about Jesus. You'll wake up a decade later. You'll have pursued the education that God called you to pursue because you'll have spent time with him. You won't have missed it. You'll have a group of friends around you that love Jesus because you, John Wesley said, catch on, catch on fire. People will come for miles to watch you burn. The nature is people that want to know Christ, people all around them start aching for God. You'll wake up and you'll have friends that want to know Christ. You'll look around. You'll have a spouse that because you were seeking God from the days of your youth, you'll have a spouse that you've served, that you've taken care of, that you've been like Christ to. You've been actually the demonstration of what Jesus calls us to, which is to serve, to be like Jesus. And when you're spending time with Jesus, when you're spending time with Jesus, you start to see some of that and you're like, oh God, I missed it here and I missed it here. But God, help me serve. Help me to love her. Help me to take care of her. You'll have a spouse or whatever your life is. I'm not saying it's necessarily a spouse, but whatever, you'll, you'll look up, you'll wake up and 10 years later, you may be a success in the world's eyes and you may not be. You may be a missionary to Mexico. You may be flipping burgers at Burger King. You may be the president of the United States or you may be selling designer jeans in Tokyo. But you'll wake up, you'll have a heart alive. And 10 years later you go, it's still alive in me. I love you. I love you. I want, I want to know Jesus. Tonight, I'm aiming at 2018. I'm aiming, I don't know what Facebook will be in 2018. Probably be some kind of digital thing on your watch where you start talking with someone from your pinky or something, but... I don't know what technology will look like 10 years from now. But here's what I'm aiming for. That every one of you says yes. A decade from now, I've spent time with Jesus. A decade from now, you'll wake up and if you're 13 now at 23, you're finishing up your senior year of college and you've got a heart that's alive. You're 18 now when you're 28, you're starting your career. You're at the beginning of the beginning and you've got a heart alive. That's my heart. That's my dream. That's my passion for you. So here's what I'm gonna ask for. And this is, this, is, this is a big call tonight. And I don't think, I don't know what percentage of you will come forward. Doesn't matter. This is gonna be a hard one. This is a difficult one and I'm dead serious. I don't want any music. I don't want it to be easy. But I want, if you go, I want, I'm going to pursue, I want to know Christ. And for the next decade, I'm going to try to spend time alone with God every day. Oh, I know I'm going to have good days and bad days. There's going to be days you're going to miss it. And all you do is you just press delete on that day and you go aim for the next day. You don't live in the pride that you spent time alone with God yesterday. And you don't live in the shame that you didn't. You just press delete on yesterday. Every morning is a new morning. Every day is a brand new day. And you go, my aim, I'm gonna know Jesus. 
I'm gonna embrace the discipline of just getting to know Jesus. And some of you, it's gonna look like prayer. Some of you, it's gonna look like Bible reading. Some of you, it's gonna look like, it's gonna look so different. Some of you, it's gonna be praying while you're jogging. Some of you, it's gonna be memorizing James on your iPod. But you're doing, you're spending time with God and you're connecting with Jesus every day. And I promise you, I know this to be true. When the trials come, and they'll come, and the person breaks up with you, the school kicks you out, the death in the family actually happens. Instead of accusation towards God in your heart, you'll have a soft heart, and you go, you give and take away. And I don't know, I can't, I can't understand this, but I know this. You'll say with Job, though you slay me, I will trust you. And I know, write this on a rock. And I know that my redeemer lives. And in the end, you'll stand upon the earth. And though my flesh be destroyed with my eyes, I will see God. And I trust you. And a decade from now, you'll wake up and no matter the circumstance, you'll have a heart that's close to Jesus because every day you were able to walk through it and interpret it with a real person. It's all about knowing a person. It's all about a person. And he is If tonight you say, I'm in, I'm going for it, I'm going for a decade. I'm gonna miss it some days. I'm gonna press delete on those days. Not let the shame of missing it or the pride of getting it get me down. But every day is a brand new day. And for the next decade, I'm talking, I'm talking decade, I'm going to get to know Jesus. If that's you, every eye open, no music, but you go, I'm in. You know, may not feel a thing, but you know it's right. I want you to come down here, join me, get on your knees.